let go of your ABCs, your assumptions, biases, and certainty. But, you know, we all have these assumptions that we make about everything in life, really, you know, and some of that is helpful shortcuts, mental shortcuts, but some of that is really problematic. We have these assumptions and we need to be mindful and aware of the assumptions that we're making about not just others, but about ourselves, you know? How many yeah. times have mm-hmm. we as creative people been like, I can't do that, or I'm not good enough for that, or I can't speak on that stage yet, or I can't do this project as well as that. Per-. You know, these are all assumptions. We don't know that. They're stories in our head. Hello and good day, and welcome to another episode of the show. Today's guest is Scott Shigoka. Scott is an expert on one of my favorite topics, curiosity. We talk in today's episode about the connection between curiosity and creativity and the benefits that curiosity brings to our life. Now, if you're not familiar with Scott's work, he does work with the UC Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center, and he teaches some very popular courses at the University of Texas at Austin. I became acquainted with Scott's work through Creative Mornings, a platform, a speaking platform that I really love, and you're going to love Scott's insights today, so I'm going to get out of the way. Yours truly in conversation with Scott Shigoka. Scott, thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Happy to have you here. (laughs) Thanks. I'm super excited. (laughs) Curiosity is something that you care a lot about, but I'm hoping that you can, in your own words, Mm -hmm. start off our show today um, with a little bit of a backstory. Yeah, absolutely. So my my mom named me Scott Keone Shigeoka. It's kind of like the best way to understand me. You know, Scott's sort of my American side, Keone. I'm from Hawaii, so born and raised. So that represents that side of me. And then Shigeoka, which basically means the mountains that disappear into the distance. Um, that's my Japanese side. And my dad told me this story where like 12 generations ago, there were like these star-crossed lovers in my lineage. This princess, samurai descent, like literally lived in a castle. And then this farmer guy who was really looked down upon in a different social class. And you never, you never, you never cross that, especially back in the day in Japan. But they fell in love. They fell in love and they were like, we are gonna defy the expectations of society, and we're gonna, we're gonna do this. We're gonna like create, we're gonna run off and we're gonna create our family. And that's my ancestors. You know, they like they 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 saw past what was happening in in their families and their societies. Who were telling them, "Don't do this. Don't disappoint us. Don't go across this social class. You know, stay with the people who are in your bubble, who are in this castle." And they fell in love and they made a family. And if it wasn't for them doing that, I would not be alive. And so, you know, this idea of you know, in all of my work, I think it's guided by what was in my ancestry. You know, this idea of mm can we really pursue love? Can we have open heartedness towards people who exist outside of our castles, who come from a very different, you know, set of life experiences, who come from, you know, a different background from us? Can we turn towards them? Can we open our hearts? Even if the people around us are saying, don't do that. Like, that's Mm. like, I don't want you to talk to them. I don't want you to talk to the enemy, you know? So, um, yeah, that's like the big part of my sort of exploration and curiosity is how how can we use this as a heart-centered tool to connect with people meaningfully, even those that are very different from us? Yeah. Well, obviously, the listeners or watchers, however they're consuming the show right now, they can immediately go to 
the rationale for having you on the show, right? This mm-hmm. is, we're in a, in unprecedented times. Yeah. Um, it feels different to be alive than it felt yeah. to me 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there are tools out there whose original intent was to connect us. And now we find them sort of dividing us just based yeah. on the way the technology works. Um, and for those that might not understand that, that's specifically talking about social sites whose job it is to create engagement. And we know that negative sentiment connects or engages people more than positive sentiment because of our negativity bias that are hardwired into us. So to say that we're more disconnected now than ever before is probably true, at least for recent history. Right. Um, So if you had to write this book, I mean, as an author myself, I know how long it takes to write a book. <laughs> yeah, so what yeah. um, was the original impetus for the book around our connection? And just to be clear, I want to go to the the book is called Seek, How Curiosity Can Transform Your Life and Change the World. And so the question I want to sort of launch into is, does this divided world and our hunger and biological need hmm. for connection was that the rationale or was it something around your genuine curiosity and all of the different value forms that curiosity can provide for us? Yeah. Which of those two, or was it some other third that I haven't named were the you know primary influences for your work and specifically around this most recent book? Yeah, I think the, the big thing was I, I, like many of the listeners here, we lived through, at least in the United States, we lived through the 2016 presidential elections and that was just a really big moment where I personally saw so much hate, vitriol, othering, just people literally screaming at each other, um, you know, at, you know, different meetings, town hall meetings, at family dinners, you know, it's, it just on social media, people were just like blocking people that, you know, like friends and family. I was blocked by like people who, you know, I have long histories with because of my my progressive beliefs and they have differing views. And so it was just, I, I think a lot of people felt that, you know, and I, I remember uh, mm-hmm. reading this uh, stat that said one, it was a Reuters Ipsos um, stat, and it said one in six people ended some kind of relationship in, because of what they perceived as irreconcilable differences after the 2016 Mm. elections. I mean, that is just one in six, just like snip, snip, cutting a relationship. That's that's wild to think about. And, you know, and then I started like peeling back and I was like, this is not just about politics. I mean, that's the easy gateway in, but then you start looking at faith. You look at geopolitical conflicts. You look at, you know, uh, race, you know, the generational divide. Okay, boomer. I mean, there's just, you can't like throw a pebble and not see it and not feel it. It's like, it's like toxic air that you're breathing. So that's what pushed me, you know, to explore this topic. And so I basically was in this cushy job in San Francisco, progressive enclave. And I was like, if I, I know if I, if I want to understand how to, you know, bridge our differences and actually, you know, really understand how we can heal as a country, I need to go out there and actually do it myself. Like I can't be preaching without doing that work myself. So I like quit my Mm -hmm. cushy job, you know, got my Prius, like 10 year old Prius, super California cliche. Like went to Home Depot with a friend, took out the back seats, like, you know, got a bed, got a Planet Fitness membership. And I just like started going off across the country. And, you know, what could I learn if I went to a Trump rally? 
Like, what could I learn if I stepped into a church again as a queer person? What could I learn, you know, if I went to, you know, an, an indigenous reservation or a convent with nuns? Like, what could I learn from all of these different spaces? And so I went there and was invited in often, or sometimes I just showed up and uh, learned a lot about curiosity in the process and about connection. Um, but I think I, I, I think they're they're both sort of key to to my exploration. Yeah. This this idea of curiosity as the foundation to your work and the book most recently here, it it strikes me that curiosity is something that is probably embedded deeply in our DNA because we need to be aware. You yeah. know, this is hardwired into us. We're looking for you know, saber-toothed tigers on the horizon. So we have to investigate what is that shadow? What yeah. are, what is that, you know, that, that noise in the bushes there, if yeah. you think of, yeah. you know, primeval uh, humans around the campfire. That's right. And yet when we, what is that, that, that concept, the study that they did on the brain where we would rather take a negative known future mm -hmm. rather than a potentially positive unknown yeah, because like our bodies yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. so you know how do we wreck you know how do we reconcile the the sort of this um the difficult nature of curiosity yeah. right yeah. on one hand it's such a powerful attribute as you've written in your book yeah. and again we'll get into some of the details now you've got a, some a very practical framework which for yeah. creative people is very very valuable one of the yeah. reasons again i wanted you on the show but how do we reconcile this sort of this conundrum that is our curiosity? Because on one hand, we're wired against it. On the other hand, it's all the best stuff is on the mm -hmm. other side of things we don't know. Yeah. And yet we're, you know, we're hardwired to not go there. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, here you are. What, what motivated you to get in your car? Yeah. You know, seemingly against your biology. Totally. And, yeah. you know, all yeah. these beautiful things that you found, like, how do we reconcile those things? That yeah, seems I mean, so different. Absolutely. I mean, you know, fear of the unknown, just fear in general is such a stumbling block for, for curiosity. Um, but, you know, it's also important to know, yes, we are born with curiosity. It comes from exactly what you're saying from our ancestors. But we also know that it releases, we release dopamine, which is the happy hormone when we are curious. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing that happens when we're having sex and we're having like a really awesome sex, like, or the, or what happens when we eat something really, really delicious. Like you go out to eat and you're like, oh my God, this is so bomb. I love this. You're releasing that happy hormone. And you, the same thing happens when you're curious. And we can all think back to it. Like imagine if you're listening, any of the listeners, what's one time you were super curious about something and you went out and you explored it and you learned about it and you were just, you know, you're getting out there. Maybe you were like really curious about surfing um, you know, and you wanted to, you know, try it out and you got the board and you went out there and you're, you're, you know, in the water thrashing about, you're like, okay, how could I like stand up on this board? Like, what, how do I like paddle in a different way? So that process of getting curious about something is, you know, I say curiosity is pleasure. So mm -hmm. that is the way that we get motivated. Right. And, and that was like a, a mantra for me as I like went out, I was like, this is going to be scary. I'm going to have, a, I do have a lot of fear. Similar to my ancestry, I had people all around me that were saying, you know, bring a gun, you know, bring a knife, bring pepper spray to these places. And I was like, whoa, like that, it, you know, it, 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 I mean, that's the state of our world right now, you know, that mm -hmm. we feel like we have to arm ourselves when we meet people who look different from us or who are from rural parts of our country 
or who vote in different ways, you know, it's, it's, and that's just mm -hmm. not where we should be. And, um, you know, I, I think knowing that curiosity is pleasure and then knowing also that curiosity can unwind that fear and that anxiety. So, you know, I did a lot of work before I went on the journey around death. Um, I created this mm. um, immersive theater experience in San Francisco where you would actually die in the experience and end of life doulas. It's basically like a birth doula, but they operate on the other side of life. They help you to die. They're trained real legit. Like they've helped people to die. They were the, the folks in the show that guided you and nine others. You couldn't go in the experience with anyone that you knew. And you, cause you die alone, you die on your own terms. And these, you know, musicians and actors would come up to you and you would experience your death. And then you would look back at your life. You would look back at your life and you would, um, you know, think about, you know, how would you live differently if you're given a second chance? That was the name of the, the theater piece, Second Chance. And what I learned working mm -hmm. in the death in, with, you know, those who, you know, work with those who die. And I also interviewed folks who are end of life doulas and they're in my book is that that's one of the biggest fears that people have, like biggest anxiety is like death is like, so the biggest unknown we're talking about being afraid of the unknown. Like, it's <laughs> like, I don't know. I yeah. mean, like you can have, you can have, you know, faith, but it's also like, wow, I don't know. It's, you know, there, there's always for a lot of us like that, that, that fear that comes up primal fear about death. And, you know, paradoxically, what folks who work in palliative care, what end of life doulas have learned and what people who are dying, who have this end of life anxiety have learned is that when you're curious, like curious about the life you've lived, about the people you've met on your journey about how you want to die, about, you know, what's the legacy you're leaving for the next generation, your end of life anxiety actually reduces. It gets less and less mm. and less. You, you, you are able to, by getting curious about something that you're fearful of, you're able to reduce the fear and reduce the anxiety. And there's also research to back this up too. So I also knew in the back of my head that, yes, I'm scared, but if I'm curious towards this thing that I'm afraid of, I know that it's going to lower that, that anxiety and lower that sense of fear. And you can apply it to anything you're afraid of or anything you're anxious about. People use this a lot of time in the clinical setting, for instance. Like if, you're, if you have fear you know, for, of spiders, right? You work your way up by getting curious about it. You look at a photo of a spider and then you look at it in a box and then eventually you're just like, I mean, I can't imagine this, but you're like playing with it in your hand, you know? <laughs> so yeah, so um, not to traumatize anyone that like hates spiders who's listening in. Um, hopefully you don't like drive your car into like the shoreline or something. But yeah, I really hope you don't. But, um, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, that it's the same sort of premise. You know, you're, you're getting curious about the things you're fearful of and, by continued exposure on contact, you know, you're like, they're not so bad, those Trump voters. Or yeah. like, they're not so bad, those Christians. You know, like, and then you start to nuance them and you're yeah. like, no two Trump voters are the same. No two people that are 52 are the same. You know, we're all very nuanced, unique people. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. So, so curiosity the, is pleasure. And yeah. Yeah. The connection, I think that's a really useful way into this material. Mm -hmm. The the relationship between fear and curiosity, that yeah. curiosity has sort of a, uh, uh, um, I would say it's sort of like a, it attaches to it in a way that is extremely useful. Yeah, And yeah. this is one of the things that I want to specifically talk about uh, for our audience today is the utility of curiosity. It is yeah. actually a very valuable 
and it's a skill that we can develop over time. You've got a matrix, uh, a way of helping us think about it. And, you know, I wrote uh, at length about how creativity is, it's, it's a process, not a product. If you can start to yeah, just look at that and, and invoke this in your everyday life, you get better at it through repetition, exactly. like most things. And so why don't you give us the framework that you've got in your book? I think it's incredibly useful. It's very easy to remember. Yep. And this, you know, one of the things that I did when I first got exposed to your work is started putting this into action and, you know, the dive, um, What's that? Dive when you get a word that's oh the acronym, yeah, 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 yeah. acronym, yeah, yeah, <laughs> there you, go. yeah. Um, you, you got you know this acronym is is really useful. I'm wondering if you could walk us through it. Oh, I love that you use it. I feel that's so amazing, and I'm curious to hear about you know what what you did to sort of exercise this muscle of curiosity for you. Sure, I think what's, sure. what's yeah, I think what's helpful to start with too is. Um, you know, obviously you and I both share a love for the ocean and I like to use that as a metaphor for curiosity. You know, curiosity is a desire to know things or to understand and it exists on a spectrum. Um, so just like the ocean, there's the shallow curiosity, right? That's about getting information about the tree in your backyard or, you know, what's your name? You know, it's Chase. Oh, Scott. Okay. Where do you live? You know, Seattle. Cool. I live in the Bay, you know, so it, it gives you some details about a person or about something that you're getting curious about. But then as you move along the spectrum of curiosity, on the other end is deep curiosity. And that's you know what allows you to sort of go beneath the surface, to see some of the richer stories and the insights. You know, it, Instead of asking a question like, what's your name? You might ask, what's the story of your name? Sort of how I started this episode, right? Like, and I'm curious about the story of your name too. Like, what is the story of your name? You know? and, and it gives you a lot more um, sort of insight on who you are, where you come from, you know, who named you, your relationship to them. Just asking that one question, like, what's the story of your name? So, so deep curiosity dives beneath the surface. And, and that's sort of what my book is about and my exploration is about. So dive is the acronym. And that is, you know, I, I just like you, I'm a big creative person. And, you know, I know that I need that structure, you know, just like if I'm going to yeah. lift, you know, weights and, you know, get more muscle on my body, which I've been trying to do, you know, you, you need that structure, you need that set of exercises. So I wanted to provide that, like, and so I did that in the book. So DIVE is the acronym, D-I-V-E. Um, and each is a core muscle for deep curiosity. So D is to detach, which is to, you know, let go of your ABCs, your assumptions, biases, and certainty. So, and you talked about this in your micro episode, you know, we all have these assumptions that we make about everything in life, really, you know, and some of that is helpful shortcuts, mental shortcuts, but some of that is really problematic, right? When we see someone, uh, you know, and we assume that we know everything about them or we hear their political party or their faith tradition and we think that we know everything about them, right? You know, we need to, you know, have a practice, uh, you know, under detached, that's called back that ass up. And this I asking short for assumption because we, we, we have these assumptions and we need to be mindful and aware of the assumptions that we're making about not just others, but about ourselves, you know, how many yeah. times have mm -hmm. we as creative people been like, I can't do that, or I'm not good enough for that, or I can't speak on that stage yet, or I can't do this project as well as that. Per you know, these are all assumptions. We don't know that they're stories in our head. So, you know, the idea of detach is we have to really let go of these assumptions. And also, you know, we have to let go of our 
control for certain desire for certainty. You know, I mean, um, yeah. you know, you mentioned, you know, failing and, and, and embracing that is a great way to do it. I also think ad- becoming an admitter is another great way to do that. Admitting when you're wrong, admitting when you don't yeah. know something, you know, we live in a culture yeah. that valorizes like knowingness and having the answers, but actually the research shows when you have this into intellectual humility, when you have curiosity, you're way more liked, way more liked. And you're also, um, you know, uh, it has no effect on your competency um, and the ways that people view you as competent. And that's a big fear people have. It's like, oh, if I say I don't know something, people are going to think like I'm dumb or like I don't have, I'm not competent enough, but that's just not true. It, it doesn't happen. Um, so that's D, detach. How do you let go of your assumptions, your biases, and certainty? I is intend. And that's about how do you create the mindset and the setting for curiosity? So very inspired by those who have sat with, with psychedelics or have done psychedelic assisted therapy. You, you often think about, you know, what's the mindset I have going in and then what's the setting we're actually going to be in for that experience, that journey, right? Cause they both really affect, you know, how that journey unfolds. And the same is true for our curiosity. You know, if you're in a crowded, loud subway station, a little bit harder maybe to access curiosity with another person versus if you're in like a nice, cozy, you know, safe, neutral space where people feel like they can really share, you know, vulnerably. Um, So that setting, physical setting really matters. So if you're going to have a tough combo with your teenager or your partner, your romantic partner, you know, really thinking about what's that space where we can get the most curious. And then your mindset, you know, is really important too. And I talk about, how sports psychologists do this, right? You, you have mental rehearsal before you get out there and do big wave surfing, before you get out there and like, you know, hit a, you know, hit a, you know, get on the basketball court. You imagine yourself, you know, succeeding at, you know, free throws or succeeding at catching that wave. And that actually is, you know, sh- shown to help that mental rehearsal in your performance. And the same is true for curiosity. You can actually think about, okay, what's the way I'm going to show up into that conversation? What are the questions I'm going to ask? You know, what's my demeanor going to be? You know, am I going to be like smiling while I'm talking and, or, and, and received in a way that's like open or, um, you know, and, and how do I end that conversation? You know, so that's really, really helpful. That, that, that I intend is all about mindset and setting. Um, v is value, which is to see the dignity of the person that you're being curious with. And that includes yourself. And we live in this time of mass dehumanization. I mean, I mean, today, as we're having this conversation, I was just on social media and I have friends that are just like, I mean, they're trashing each other publicly, privately, um, because of the suffering and the pain that they feel around the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. But there's dehumanization that's also going on. And people are just casting groups of people on either side, I'm seeing this unfold on, on, on social media and, you know, saying that Israelis or Palestinians, you know, deserve death. I mean, it's just, it's wild. That's not true. Like that's, that's that no human should ever say that about a group of people. Like, um, you know, we were talking about, you know, innocent kids and, you know, and we're talking about, you know, families and stuff like that. So it's, you know, we have to start from this basic fundamental agreement that we have to humanize every person. It doesn't matter where you live, you know, what religion you practice, you know, what, you know, age you are, you know, I want, I want, I value you and your humanity. When we, when we start from there, curiosity is so much more accessible because as soon as we say, no, like you're the other, you're the enemy, 
like we don't want to get curious about, you know, that person in the right. Trump rally or that person that, you know, has a different opinion than us, you know, on a conflict that may or may not even involve us um, directly um, in terms of, you know, our families being there or not. Um, the And then the last piece is E, which is embrace. So that's um, to, you know, really welcome the hard moments in our lives. And, you know, that's when curiosity is most necessary. So I talked about that with death, but it also happens with happier things like marriage and having kids, you know, like staying curious yeah. is, is so important for you to maintain that connection and to really continually understand yourself and others. And, you know, you, you know, this as well too, you've talked about this on the show that, you know, when your partner comes in the door and, you know, if you're 10 years, 15 years in, um, and I hope to, you know, have a, a long, you know, and, and robust relationship, um, like you with my partner, um, you know, we, we, we have to continually be curious about them, you know? to continually be curious about our children. We have to continually be curious about the team member we've worked with for five years, you know, because we're constantly growing. And so, you know, even in these like hard charged moments of conflict and tension or in, in sort of difficult moments where, you know, we're being tested, curiosity can serve us um, and, and, and really help us. So, so that's sort of the, the idea of DIV, detach intent, value, embrace. And, and there's all these practices in the book too on how you can exercise those, those muscles. So, yeah, I, I would like to just for purposes of our conversation, uh, share the way that I, yeah, I would uh, love bumped up in, bumped into each of these. So when I was attempting to practice this framework, uh, I found it a very useful and it got me there very quickly. You know, yeah. there was not a lot of beating around the bush when you, you know, whether this is in traffic or, or I, um, I tend to step in it, if yeah. you will, is yeah. around certainty. I have a lot of uh, certainty, especially if I am an expert in something or I perceive right. myself to have been doing this for, you know, 20 years or having built all these businesses. It's easy for me to say, oh, this is how you do it. Yeah. And I realized in reading your book and thinking a lot about it, how much of life that sort of steals from me, that takes away from mm. me by my belief that I know something. Mm. And as I've mentioned before it mm -hmm. in other shows, and we were sort of hinting at when we were talking before starting to record today's episode, like there is some utility, right? Cause if you were like wildly curious about yeah. every single thing on the planet, it'd be very hard to make your bed in the morning. Yeah, like, totally. oh, wow, look at these sheets, you know, yeah. you, can get, <laughs> yeah. you can get lost. But I was just quickly made aware that, wow, I'm, I, my, my certainty and it underpins as bias or, you know, all yeah. these sort of assumptions that we make. And it was easy for me to write them off as, as useful because mm -hmm. it's how we get through our day. But at some fundamental level, I, there was a sadness in me when I immediately mm -hmm. paid attention to the D and how certain I am about, I mean, even something as simple as traffic, like, oh, when the person does this, they're going to make a right turn. Yep. And until they don't, yep. right. And when yep, they yep. don't, you know, yeah. our mind, this is the reason that our mind sees things that don't actually happen. Yeah. We report crimes and we can't even describe the, the perpetrator yeah. because we have a, a bunch of assumptions built in yeah. and the mind plays tricks on us. How many yeah. of you who are listening or watching right now have, you, you think you see something, someone walking toward you uh, in the shadow with a dog and then you get up close and it was just a plant that was next to them as you were approaching. And it's not a, you know, big scary dog or whatever mm -hmm, the thing mm -hmm, is. Mm -hmm, like our mm -hmm. mind is consistently filling in the blanks. And totally. what I, I had a sadness 
of mm. realizing that, oh my gosh, certainty is provide is actually keeping me from a lot of the mm. most beautiful and open ways mm. that we can be in this world. So yeah. that was to me, That's that was beautiful. something that I noticed as val- as valuable. With intend, um, I'm a huge mindset guy. Yeah. And you know, I think your mindset determines a lot of your experience yep. in life because that is literally, you know, that is our direct relationship with it is through yep. what we think and what we feel. That's the engine, and, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the simple intent to decide before that you're going to go into something with, you know, open mind, head, heart yep. is radically transformative. Yep. And especially I was able to connect that with E with the embrace part. So I'll talk about V in just a second here, but sort of preparing your mindset to me allowed me to embrace the hard stuff. If you can look at, as I'll just give you a quick example, my wife, it was her birthday last weekend. We had a great time. We stayed up a little bit too late. We went a little bit too hard. We had a lot of fun with our friends, but she wakes up this morning and she's sick. Mm. And I'm like, God, you know, what a bummer. You know, now I'm, I'm, my, I, I got double duty. I got to get down to the mm-hmm. podcast. I got to walk mm-hmm. the dog and got to get her mm-hmm. some medicine. Mm-hmm. And the, these are, these are small things. And I was like, you know what? This is actually an amazing opportunity for me to make her feel really cared for. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and it was just a simple intention. And I was aware of all of the stories that I had about how bad and how, and for, yep. like, how how inconvenient this is small bad right this is b with a small bad with a small b yeah yeah um and and then so you know that's sort of like d i and e yeah this particular the value thing Mm. to it seemed like all the others filtered into value when Mm. i'm Mm. not when i'm aware that I can't possibly be as certain as I walk through life. When yep. I decide that I want to, to have an open mind, yep. when I am saying that these, you know, the obstacle is the way to quote, to quote my friend Ryan Holiday around mm-hmm. embracing hard times. Yep. I, if I'm doing all of those other things, the V takes care of itself. Yeah, then yep, that's right. You see, you see other people as people. Yep. That's and right. it just... Yeah, this was a it was a it was a profound lesson in humility mm. to embrace embrace your system. So mm, beautiful. Again, just, Thank you for sharing that. That's, did, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I didn't, uh, um, and I don't, uh, you know, I don't want to hijack the show, but I want to try and help people understand how, like, simple frameworks like yours, yeah, can be practiced in a moment, yeah, and can provide value forever. Yep. Yep. So here's, here's my follow-up question. I believe that the way that, um, these social media tools, for example, our kids are consuming them. I think it's going to get more difficult before it gets easier Hmm. just based on the algorithm and how much time people are spending in front of their devices. So is it your belief that by using this sort of curiosity manifesto mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that we that. can, that we can, we overcome these hurdles that are before us? Yeah. 
I, you know, it, it, yes. I mean, we we have no other choice, and it is our most potent tool, you know, for yeah. for you know, not just creativity, not just solving problems, um, you know, but also for us to move forward in our lives. You know, we, you know, I I think that, you know, I can't imagine a society anymore um, that's functioning <laughs> that where we're continuing to turn against one another or away from each other, where we're just canceling and blocking people left and right. You know, that if that one in six turns into, you know, three in six or four in six people ending a relationship, I mean, we will not be connected at all to one another and we'll be in our own Mm -hmm. bubbles. We'll be disconnected from other viewpoints. And A, that's not a beautiful or or enriching world. Um, It makes me sad as well. But B, you know, you can't actually understand and empathize with people who are living in different, you know, life experiences than you, and you can't solve collective problems that we're all facing. Right. So, you know, mm. yeah, we have to be curious and, and we have to, it's, it is the most important thing that we need to do right now, because when you look at the world, it's collapsing. I'm, and, and if you have rosy colored, I mean, I am the rosiest colored glasses or whatever you say for that, that saying, like, I am so hyper optimistic about everything. It's actually something I've had to work on in therapy. It's like, you know, to welcome in the negativity and, and to see the negative emotions and to not disassociate by just being positive all the time. And when I started to do that, I realized, holy shit, like our world is collapsing, y'all. Like this is, we're not in good shape. And there is a lot of good and beauty in the world, you know, and, and we don't often see that represented in the news. That is very true. And, you know, there's, you know, heightened wars and conflict, you know, we're going through a mega climate crisis right now where, you know, which is creating climate refugees and people are moving into the, you know, that's basically what happened with Syria and, you know, and, and, you know, we're, we're moving into this new paradigm where different kinds of people are going to be continuing to be in our community. And we have, we're at a crossroads. We can decide to be in curious and, you know, say, you're not welcome here, you know, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to understand you. You're, you're different from me. You come from a different place. You vote in a different way. That's one road we can choose. Or there's this other path where we can actually be curious and we can turn towards people and we can, you know, remember that it's this pleasurable connective experience and we can ask people about their life experiences and break bread with them and, you know, form more interesting dinner tables that have like lots of rich stories and experiences and people are you know, I mean, that's like what we love about our work, right? Is we get to meet yeah. and encounter such incredibly different people who just like blow our minds and hearts with the, the lives they've lived. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, I'm pushing, <laughs> I'm rooting for us to pick that, that pathway, um, you know, because I, I, I really don't see another option. You know, I really don't mm-hmm. see us, you know, devolving into a world where we're not choosing to be curious. Uh, I mean, that scares yeah. me. That world scares me. Yeah. This, I want to share a quote and get your your reflections on it. It's a quote from a dear friend of mine, Brene Brown. Yeah. And she uses this concept of it's very difficult to hate from up close. Mm. And to me, yeah, it's a very powerful way of thinking and seeing the world. And, you know, this sort of harkens to your road trip, actually getting in your car and driving, what was it, 45,000 miles yeah, in a year yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't think it feels impractical to ask everybody to get in their car and drive yeah, 45,000 yeah, 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 miles yeah, yeah, yeah. and do, do their own research project. Yeah. 
But if you look through the lens that, you know, I just shared that quote with Brene, how, and you had to probably employ this, yeah. you had to get close yeah. to people who were different from you yeah. on your journey. So yeah. what are some sort of lightweight, daily, yeah. practical things that people can, you know, they, they could, how, they, how can they change their mindset to actually desire to be curious about someone who is different from them. What did you do when you were on your yeah, trip? Yeah, yeah. Was it did you did you grounded in encourage or just the intention? Like, what are some simple ways that people ought to think, or that you would recommend yeah. they think, because to get close to someone even when it's difficult? Yeah, I mean, the first thing to remember is that there's multiple directions to curiosity: the inward, the outward, and the beyond. So, inward curiosity mm. is how do I get curious about myself. Um, you know, my own stories, my histories, that's my, what you do in like talk therapy, for instance, you like really get curious about your emotions, yourself, your stories, then there's outward curiosity, how do I get curious about, you know, you as a person, you know, other people around me, society, and then there's the beyond, which is getting curious about anything that's not in the physical realm, that could be God for some of us, the divine, but it could also be like ancestry or seven generations for now. So I, I always like to tell people to start from the inward, you know, before you go out, and you're like trying to like practice this curiosity muscle on that family member that voted in a different way from you or, you know, from that neighbor that you have that like conflict with, you know, you know, just like you would in a weight room, right? You start small, start with those small reps that are a little bit closer to home and, and direct your curiosity inward and strengthen the muscle that way. Um, so things that you can do, um, you can, you know develop a powerful question list. You know, what are the questions that you've been asked um, from, you know, uh, to explore yourself and your own life and your stories that were really profound, that really made you think that, you know, questions that, you know, made you think of stories that you had forgotten or that made you feel deeply, you know, and those are potentially stories that you could also ask other people, you know, that might unlock the same thing for them. Um, you know, there's a practice in the book that I have around quicksanding, um, which is this idea that, you know, we can just when you're when you find yourself in quicksand, you shouldn't like flail and, and freak out that actually sinks you in further and faster. So the, the same is true in life that when we're very overwhelmed, and there's a lot going on, and we have a lot of responsibilities. And oh, no, our partner, you know, just got sick. And how do we, you know, to take a, a moment for ourselves to, you know, five to 10 minutes to just like, take a walk, a slow get into your body to have slow intentional movement, because that's actually you know, what helps you to sort of, you know, drop back into your body, get curious about, you know, what, what you see on your walk, the people that you're, you're experiencing, just like, let your mind wander, um, let your mind experience a sense of awe, you know, and, and that is something that requires no one else, you know, you don't have to go and be in a conversation yeah. with anyone, you can just go for a 10 minute walk. And, and the research shows that when you do that, it actually allows you to enter into that that state of curiosity um, which you can then bring into other aspects of your life so if you're feeling a little stuck just like go out and take a walk and like just be really curious about what you what you encounter in 10 minutes um mm -hmm. but then when you start to feel ready you know to you know okay i'm ready to bring this out you know i've you know explored different books and i've you know read you know news articles from the other side and you know i've taken my all walk and i've you know you know, wrote down some questions that, that are really, you know, key for me, you know, you can start to practice in another people, but don't immediately go to like the highest mm. conflict person, you know, like don't go yeah. to that person that you're really like struggling to connect with, you know, or, 
having some fights with or you know that you your sibling that you always have political blowouts with you know maybe start a little bit closer to home and then what happens is you know you start to ask your romantic partner or your children questions and you see the pleasure it's giving you and them and they're asking you questions and that gives you you know more courage you know and it gives you more competency around around curiosity to then apply it in these harder situations that are a little bit stickier and have more conflict. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Helpful. One of the things that I was struck by in your work is curiosity has for me often mostly meant an intellectual activity. Yeah. Yeah. It has meant like, like, uh, and I can tend to fall into trap as I found myself doing when you were describing that, like thinking about like, what's the right question? What's the, um, you know, how would you phrase that? And yep. who's the first person I would turn to? And one of the things that, that struck me uh, in the book is this sort of heart centered, mm. a softness that was present in all of it, which to me, that feels more like the curiosity that I feel when I'm sort of in a creative mindset. Mm. Like, let's see where this goes. And it's yeah. a thread that you're willing to pull, to pull on sort of without expectations totally. versus some sort of an intellect versus intellectual activity. Yeah. I'm wondering if you can, because we're going to have all sorts of, you know, different listeners and people of sort of who are going to take this in differently. Talk about the sort of the intellectual pursuit yeah of curiosity versus the heart centered approach yeah and you know they're both really valid right you know we use curiosity as this intellectual tool to you know extract knowledge and information right so you know you might learn mm -hmm. about a different topic um you might um explore you know different uh you know you, you might collect information about people who you know um and that's that's really it's an important tool you know it's not just like helpful for you know pub trivia on like the weekends it's also helpful you know for you to understand the world and have information and knowledge you know to you know be set up to navigate you know your life and and your life in the world but you know yeah. i think we miss out on curiosity as this force for connection as this tool to actually you know bring us closer to ourselves to each other and to the divine you know for that that's the that's what I wanted to call attention on. It's not just, you know, what's the, you know, what plant is that that's in that nursery? I like want to learn more information about that. And I go on a Wikipedia rabbit hole. I mean, that's fun and great. Do that. <clears throat> but how do you also, like you said, have that tenderness in your heart, that childlike, you know, wonder when you're like getting to know another person um, and you're meeting them for the first time or you're meeting them for, you know, the, the, the 10th year, you know, like, and you're, you're, you share the same house. Um, how do you come in from that that sort of you know with that compassion and that that open heartedness to you know want to understand them and it's so it's very playful i think you're right like connecting creativity and, and curiosity it's it's a it should feel really like engaging and fun and optimistic and uh, mischievous at times and playful and it, it, you know that's what the true heart of heart-based curiosity is about right it's not like i'm trying to like figure this thing out like that that feel, feels very like <clears throat> you know it, it's very sort of a like focused energy and it's very you know sort of fierce energy you know when in when i think about curiosity in the mind but in the heart it's very tender and it's very like you said soft and it's compassionate mm -hmm. 
And some people might be afraid of those words. Like that, that might not be like something, yeah. you know, tenderness, softness. Ugh, like, I don't, I don't want that. But, you know, I think yeah. that it opens up so much for you in your life. I think it's that heart centered curiosity that gives us, you know, the life satisfaction, the fulfilling relationships, you know, the, you know, the understanding of ourselves in the world around us in, in, a, in a more spiritual and a, a more soulful way. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and we know too from the research that when you practice, you know, curiosity daily, you actually extend years on your life, right? You, you, you are less likely to die, you know, or, or you're, you, you decrease your mortality when you have more curiosity. And so I think a part of that is because and we see this with older adults too. I mean, it just even in your own lives, like the minute you become incurious, I mean, that's like the the downfall, you know, for 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 people. I mean, it's it, yeah. you have no reason to live anymore. You know, it's it's like I'm not curious about the world. I'm not constantly challenging myself to grow and to you know stay connected to the people around me. So what's the point in living, right? So I I think you know that heart centered you know, curiosity is like the end, it's a literal engine for our life. And, and, and I think that's, and it's, and it's a really beautiful and sort of wondrous sort of experience, you know? Mm. I had a mentor once and I guess I can say I still have this person as a mentor and he's wildly curious. Yeah. And I found myself being so inspired by his curiosity. Yeah. It was generally, genuinely like, wow, that is like, there's something infectious about mm. this, um, this openness mm. that I feel like, to me, like one of the things as a leader, spe- specifically in a business environment, but just generally cynicism, like I don't have any patience for it. I'm like, if you're on my leadership team, you cannot possibly be a cynic and sit in on the leadership team with me. That's just not a Mm. trait. You know, Mm. there, there's, you know, intellectually rigorous, that's Mm. fine. Mm. But you know, you, you, you can't be the other way. Yeah. Yeah. So, but if I'm thinking about this, through the lens of my mentor or a mentor that, uh, that has been really helpful for me. It was, it was infectious. I would call yeah. it contagious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So is the, is, was my experience with this curiosity of this person, as, as I, was, I experienced it as very contagious, and I walked away feeling like I could be a better person if yeah. I sort of had that level of curiosity, and then I would carry it forward for the rest of, totally. let's just say, the day. Totally. Why is, what is it about curiosity that is contagious? And is it just, is this a thing that you saw in your research or is yeah, this just yeah. me? Talk to me about no, the yeah, that's there. No, that's totally real. I mean, we have, you know, mirror neurons and also there's this phenomenon called the chameleon effect, which is essentially, you know, the idea is that we're the product of the people that we are closest to or that we interact with on the daily. We start to pick up language or mannerisms, accents, you know, ways of thinking from the people that are closest to us. And that can be bad, you know, but it could also be really great, especially when it comes to like your mentor who's super curious. And, you know, we know from the research that curiosity is contagious, that when you practice this as a parent, you know, your children are more likely to be curious because you're modeling it for them. If you're an educator um, or if you're a business leader, you practicing 
and modeling curiosity is going to inspire a culture of curiosity in your classroom or in your your workplace. And so, you know, I think yes, like you you want to think about who are those curious ambassadors, those people around you who are just like you're like, wow, like they really inspire me. Like those they like constantly are opening up to the world to new experiences. You know, I feel like every time I hang out with them, like they're talking to different people and, and we're having really interesting conversations and you know, they're, you know, they, they don't have that sense of certainty. Maybe if like, that's the thing that you're, you know, you're struggling with, you know, I think finding those folks who, um, yeah, are very, very curious is, is very helpful. And, and, and you start to take on the, those practices and yeah, you get inspired by that. Um, you know, I think when you go, when you travel, that's like a great example too, right? Like when I first went on my first trip, you know, abroad, I remember meeting all of these folks who had traveled the world and had done really interesting. They sailed and they, you know, were photographers like you and they, you know, they had all these stories and they were just like this insatiable thirst for adventure and um, for, you know, experiencing things. And I remember being like this 18 year old who had never really done that before and being like, oh my God, this is like the coolest thing I've ever heard of. You know, like I want to Mm -hmm. experience more. And you know, I, as I talk to them at hostels and over drinks, you know, I just, you know, my mind, you just like filled with excitement about what was possible, you know, for my life and for my future. Um, and had I not taken open that first door, you know, to actually do the scary thing and, you know, leave the islands and travel and experience something new, right? I, I never would have, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today looking back and being like, holy shit, like all the relationships and experiences and the places that I've been to, I'm so fortunate for that. And it was definitely inspired by the people who are around me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is, uh, it's my understanding that there is a, uh, a relationship in business between curiosity and innovation. I wonder if you can talk about that. Yeah. So, um, we know that when you have a more curious culture in a workplace, you know, creativity levels skyrocket, essentially, they, they increase. And so, you know, if you are looking for a more creative workforce, you want your team to, you know, think more creatively about different problems that you're facing or about, you know, products you're creating, you know, then you want to instill a sense of curiosity in them. And it makes sense because if they're curious about the world, they're looking at different, you know, parts of the world, different cultures, like different businesses, you know, they're, they're looking at how people are interacting with the world, you know, by through observation, you know, through exploration, it makes sense that you, you have all these new ideas and new connection points to pull from that you can then take into your work. Right. And, and you can, and that makes you a stronger, more creative, um, you know, person, you know, individual in the world. And so there, there's definitely a link between those two. And, you know, I, I would say like, if you probably have seen it too, you know, where, when mm. you've, when you've been really curious about, you know, in, in your, in your life and in your work, either as, as a photographer or in, in your business, um, you were probably experiencing heightened creativity. I mean, I don't know. Is that, does, does that feel for true no. for you? Yeah. Yeah. And this is sort of like what I'm trying to make here and asking the question is this, you know, you cite some studies in the book, which I, which I found really valuable because we understand it intellectually. Like I can tell you that, oh, you know, curiosity and creativity are closely tied. Yeah. But when you're actually living it, and the, here's just a really simple example yeah. that I will give, is when 
you know, the kind of photography that I did is, is largely location based. So you have mm. to go somewhere, you have to go out into the woods or go to the location. And yeah. that is the place where you take pictures. And if the weather is anything but 100% predictable in that you look on the radar and it's just blue skies as far as you can go, if there's yeah. a hint of uncertainty or there's yeah. a hint of, oh gosh, it looks like we might get some weather at this time or what's the yeah. weather? Is it wind? Is it like, that the simple decision to go yep. and see for yourself versus stay in the hotel, yep. assume that you know what it's going to be like and say, we're going to just, you know, sit this one out and wait for a sunny, the next sunny day yep. or the sunny window later on. Yep. Most of my best pictures came from the process of going, of, yep. of curiosity, of deciding to go there yep. and say, wow. Well, we had, you know, the weather was never going to be an element in this particular shot for this ad campaign yep. or whatever. Yep. And now I'm here and it's absolutely striking. You could not predict that the sun was going to go through the clouds in that filtered way that made these badass God rays coming out. And <laughs> yeah, the, totally. like, and, 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 you know, if, if by extension, that sort of the curiosity or the willingness to go and be uncertain produced yep. the most interesting and what I will use the word innovative yep. pictures. Yep. It's, it was very easy for me to see how that same sort of um, framework could be really vital as a business leader. Yep. So I yep. can see it really yeah. clearly in creativity. Like yeah, I also you go think, because you don't – go ahead. Yeah, well, I was just going to say like it made me think about like how you know when folks saw how children were so terrified going into MRI machines – you know, their curiosity led them to like, where are they not terrified? What are they excited about? It's like Disneyland, you know, it's like amusement park. So they started to paint, you know, these beautiful, like, like landscapes and adventure, you know, space, you know, themes and pirate themes, like on the MRI machines in children's hospitals and trained the technicians, you know, in the same way that you might train someone, you know, in like Disneyland, you know what I mean? To like help them to, you know, feel, to stay still, but to see it as an adventure, that it's like a ride, you know, and, and that would only be possible if someone had been curious and asked themselves like, okay, well, clearly kids are not enjoying this experience of getting in this large, scary machine. Like what's something that's large and scary in a machine that they love to jump into, right? It's like rides and roller coasters and theme parks. And so curiosity also brings you into these really sort of interesting places um, and, and I think you, you, you need to, you know, as a business leader, sort of stretch your, your sort of viewpoint, you know, it's like, if you're thinking about efficiency, mm -hmm. who are some of the most efficient people in the world? It's like a race car pit driving crew. You know what I mean? They can like change a tire in three seconds. Like I've not met a Jeffy Lee person that can do that yet. You know what I mean? Like, no offense to Jeffy Lee. <laughs> like, I, I don't know why I named them or called them out, but you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, wow, I want to understand why does that happen? How are they able to change a car tire so damn quick? Well, they've got roles, they're coordinated, they have communication, you know, they train their one repetitive, you know, uh, uh, repetitive task over and over again, so they can like, basically do it with their eyes closed, you know, and, and what can we learn from that in our own businesses, if we're trying to, you know, increase speed, not that speed is all as you know, sometimes efficiency can be harmful and dangerous. But if, if it is a positive um, sort of endeavor for your business, you know, where are the places that you can get curious about? you know, you know, you know, where, where folks can do things quickly and, and efficiently and well. Um, and what can we learn from that? I mean, I, I, I run this artist residency in, in Iceland and, you know, um, 
this woman who uh, Japanese, amazing Japanese American artist, um, Yoko, um, she was very curious when she was laying in a hospital bed and she's a musician and she was hearing all the sounds from all the alarms in the hospital. And she's a musician. So she knew like this one chord was the death chord, the devil's chord. It was just like this hard to hear, just very, just like sonically discombobulating setting. And if anyone's been in a hospital for a long period of time, like, you know, these alarms go off, it like heightens your like, you know, blood pressure, you're, you're, you're like scared, you don't know what's happening. And so she, you know, has done this exploration, you know, at like Kaiser and in different hospitals getting curious about, you know, what's the new sonic landscape that we can have in a hospital that's actually conducive to healing, that's actually conducive for our patients and their families, right? And so that's the kind of curiosity in business that I get really excited about. I mean, it's, it's people who see a different way, almost in like two disparate worlds, like Disneyland and a hospital, and can somehow like combine totally. those two things and, and create something new and interesting. Yeah. That is a proven formula for some of the most creative thinking in the world. Truly, yeah. like to take a thing yeah. that is assumed to be true and ask what if it wasn't true or what yeah. is a different way of doing it? Like literally focusing on the thing that everyone takes for granted. Yep. Now, you don't want to, you know, reinvent the wheel, so to speak. Yep. But surprisingly, you know, there is a lot of insight. Uh, a particular designer named Stefan Sagmeister, when he's challenged to design, I forget the name of this principle, but when he's challenged to design something, he tends to look at it through the lens of what would it look like if we designed this running shoe through mm. the ideas of a recycled plastic bottle. Mm. It all of a sudden there's all of these frameworks that melt yeah. away the things that you assumed had to be yeah. true. Yeah. And now it's just and you can literally combine, you know, any two things. So that was yeah. just a that's just a framework what Sagmeister did and it's referencing a thing that I can't remember right now. So forgive me those those know-it-alls out there on the internet you can <laughs> send me a note via social media and let me know what I'm missing, but to me, this idea of looking at areas that are assumed that the de facto of this, and I love the lens that you just put on that with the, the hospital, like all these noises, yeah. turns out noises matter, yeah. right? And yeah. if you want to make someone feel comfortable and, uh, and at ease and, you know, have a healing mindset rather than a, then you certainly don't want to, eh, eh, yeah, yeah, totally. you know, that's, yeah. oh God, just who like, does that no. help? No. Yeah. <laughs> so. I just, I love the, um, just being open. And I specifically see that, yeah. you know, as it's easy to see through the lens of a, as an artist, but I want to sort of speak to the business people out there to, and, and people who are entrepreneurs, like what aspects of your business, your life, your processes, can you look at under a slightly different microscope and yeah. come up with a, even if you challenged yourself to, um, I just found like that's where so much of the best stuff in totally. life is. It's on the other side of the things that you think you know. Totally. Now, these scripts, I want to wrap yeah. up. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go, no, oh, go ahead. Gonna, Talk about the scripts. No. Yeah, the last thing I was just going to say on this point is like there's these in curiosity scripts, you know, that we have in business. It's like this is the way it's always been done, you know, like that. And and yeah. really what that is is it's, again, the certainty and the 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 lack of curiosity. So we have to change those scripts. and you know, maybe there could be a different way. How could we explore that? You know, like all of what we're talking about is driven by curiosity and questioning and exploring and, 
um, yeah. So I just wanted to like put a pin on that. That no, you know, that's a great yeah, have awareness. Have awareness point. when you're being in curious as a leader. You know, that's like a great place to start too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, a reasonable way for us to wrap up our conversation today is around what are the limits mm. of curiosity? You have an entire chapter dedicated yeah. to it in yeah. the book, and I found it. Uh, as someone who's written on creativity, I, you know, I'm always about there is no limit to our creativity. And, <laughs> like, and so I found it like when I was looking at the table of contents, I immediately like flipped right to that chapter. And I'm wondering if you could just address that. Like, what are the limits? Yeah, totally. Totally. And I, yeah, that's so important. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's about limits and boundaries, that chapter. And it's the idea that, you know, you know, obviously we want to be curious and we know that it is contagious. But sometimes we can be so, so curious about someone else con consistently over years, and they are never returning that curiosity back to us, no matter how hard we try. And in fact, that relationship might turn out to be harmful in some way, right? And, and I talk about a mother-daughter um, who where the daughter is experiencing that with her mother. You know, she's, she always feels like she's being curious and compassionate towards her mom, is understanding where she's coming from, is engaged in her life but it's never returned. Like it is, it is never given back to her, no matter how many times she's named it and asked for it. And so, you know, with the help of her therapist and her partner, you know, she realized she, you know, needed to create space and distance and put up a boundary with her mother. And, you know, I think that's important because curiosity is sometimes seen as like this kumbaya, like let's just go and all have tea and like, it's all going to work out. <clears throat> but, you know, you have to know where your own boundaries are um, mm. with curiosity. I was at a show with my then boyfriend and, you know, we were, it was like the Avid brothers, which is like a super peace and love kind of like show. But, you know, we, we were basically verbally, you know, and threatened by a group of guys who were super drunk and intoxicated. But, you know, anytime we were like holding hands or kissing, you know, they're like, you better knock that shit out. Like, you know, like you don't like basically saying that they were going to hurt us yeah. if like we kept on doing that. And like everyone else around us was doing it. You know, they was just like we were the only queer couple close to them. So we ended up, you know, I could have been like, hey, guys, like, let me be curious. Like, what's what's going on for you? Like, what's the, you know, but that's a, that's not that, you know, my physical safety was, you know, and, and my my then partners was in jeopardy. I we felt. So we moved. We exited that situation. Like, this isn't the time or the moment for us to get curious right now. Um, and you know, there's a lot of folks who, you know, have trauma, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's, or are in, you know, really scary depths of society. I talk about Daryl Davis yeah. and I talk about Niobe way, you know, these are two individuals who are curiosity ambassadors. You know, Daryl Davis is a black man who, you know, basically uses curiosity to connect with people who are white supremacists, who are members of the KKK. And he's derobed many of these individuals by forming connections. Niobe Way is a foremost expert on boyhood and reads school shooting, you know, manifestos and tries to understand like what drives people to do this. But, you know, if you're not everyone can do that. Not everyone yeah. that is beyond the limits of a lot of people, you know, like to, you know, and yeah. you might directly be impacted, right? Like you might be a victim or a family member of someone who is impacted by a school shooter. So to do that kind of curiosity exploration, even though it's so important because we have to understand the root cause and why is this happening so that it never happens again, you know, that is just not possible for some people. So, so that's what that chapter is about. It's like, you got to know your boundaries. 
You got to know your limits. And that sometimes, you know, your curiosity is, is, is earned. It's not deserved, right? You can't just expect that people are going to be forced to answer your questions. And even in some cases, it's illegal to be curious. You know, if you're a hiring manager, you can't ask certain questions to someone that you're trying to employ. You're not deserving of that curiosity. So to, so to remember consent that, you know, mm-hmm. just because you're being curious about someone's culture or about, you know, the way that they live through the world, it doesn't mean that you deserve an answer, you know, like they have to feel ready, you know, to, to give that answer to you. And you also better be down to dish too. Don't ask a question you're not willing to share too, because that question might come right back to you. So, so that's what the limits and the boundaries of curiosity, um, that chapter is all about. Yeah, it felt, uh, um, as soon as I got there and read the chapter, I realized like, ah, this is actually a really interesting way to think about, you know, the, uh, the boundaries, because it's really not, you're not, it's not bounding curiosity. It's bounding the, the the ability to understand that we're not all at the same place and the trauma lens. I think there was a, there was a psychologist, Kevin Becker in there talked about how trauma actually can impede our ability to, to be deeply curious and how you're like, Oh yeah, you got to take care of that, (laughs) that part of your life prior to, to being curious. It was just really helpful. And first of all, I want to thank you. Uh, Yeah. Thank you. This is, this is, this is a, it's a massive superpower. The ability to be curious to um, a is it's directly correlated and connected to our creativity, which I'm a huge creativity advocate. So your work on curiosity um, was really, really um, helpful, heartfelt, connective and really valuable to me. And I would say the same to anyone who's listening, if if creativity is an important part of your life. And I think that's probably a precursor for People in the show here, please pick up a copy. Seek how curiosity can transform your life and change the world. Uh, Scott, where can we point people other than the book? Yeah. Congratulations. Anywhere else you would direct our attention besides yeah. the book? Yeah. And then first of all, I would j- just want to say thank you. Um, and, you know, I had fear coming into this conversation, not because I'm afraid of you, but just like it's a <laughs> you have a big platform and like, you know, it was scary. And I had to rem- I had to practice what I wrote about. I had to be like, you know, I had to dive, you know to get into this conversation. And even during our conversation, you know, there were moments where I was getting incurious and I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm not saying the right things. Or like, I don't know if this is like, it makes any sense. And I had to stay oh. open and remind myself, you know, I had to, I had to say, you know, stay curious, Scott, like you, you know, you, there is someone, there could be someone out there that, that needs exactly this one message that you're, you're putting out to the world and you're just being your genuine self. So, you know, I think, curiosity even serves me you know i wrote the book and i'm still like constantly <laughs> using it all the time um but anyway to answer your question um you can reach out to me on on social on instagram on my websites um at scott shigeoka scottshigeoka.com um you know i actually do respond to dms like i love hearing from people and and especially if you've read the book and you have thoughts on it or how you've applied it to you know your own life like nothing gives me more joy than to have those kinds of conversations so please reach out and um, yeah, thank you again so much for this time and your generosity of spirit, your curiosity. Um, I feel very supported and held and I'm excited to hear awesome. what people think of the episode. Yeah. Well, this, uh, again, my my pursuit of the show and sharing what I'm learning is it started out as very, uh, I've always been a curious person and I realized that I could take this little guilty pleasure of 
all the research and reading that I was doing and turn it inside out and make a show, uh, whatever, 14 years ago. Um, so you're seeing sort of my, the world is seeing my curiosity almost in real time. There's a little bit of delay between when we record the show and publish it, but, um, you know, people are getting to see what I basically, the books that I read and the people that I'm, you know, tracking and watching what they do and, and in tracking and watching your career, um, just want to say thanks for doing the work. Uh, and I also, you've got some stuff you've, you've, uh, taught at the UTA, uh, University of Texas at Austin. Yeah. Um, I found that fascinating. Yeah. What's, what's that about? Just, uh, is there, uh, is it possible to take classes? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I taught two classes. One was, um, on, on creativity as a tool for healing. So we would do these class projects. We created like zines that we printed and delivered out in Austin, like a deck of cards of healing practices. That's like a really fun class. Um, that's, you know, connected to the center for integrated design. And then um, I teach a power of curiosity class. So it's about, it's like taking the book and just like deep diving. Like we're going into yourself. We're going out to the world. We're going to like check out the divine. And like, it's so fun. These classes are, you know, I, you know, I'm really excited because higher education usually, usually divides people like undergraduates here, graduates here and like executive education here. And I think that's so problematic. Like we need to all be mixed up together. We learn the most when we're integrated like that so that's what my classes were is you know we had 18 year olds with like 60 year olds you know who had like decades Mm. of experience and they were all just like talking about healing and talking about curiosity and exploring that and going out into nature and going out into the community and um it's fun i love teaching so much and um yeah it's 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 a big joy of mine for sure and and i was just realizing you're now the mentor that you were talking about to so many other people who are listening and who are around you because you're the curious person, you know, you're, and, and people are sort of getting that contagious infectious energy from you to hopefully get curious in their lives. So that's, it's a really cool sort of meta moment too. But Ah, well, thank you for pointing that meta (laughs) moment out that I have missed. Uh, (laughs) Grateful for your time and energy today. Thank you so much. And again, uh, for those of you out there in the world, seek how curiosity can transform your life and change the world. Scott, until next time, Thank you so much for being on the show. And for both of us, we bid you all out there in the internet universe, bid you a great day. All right. Hey, before you go, thanks so much for listening. And if you got value from this show, chances are your community will too, right? In the particular lies the universal. Please share this link to the show with a friend or mention the show on social. That is a huge benefit for us in hopefully in exchange for providing value to you. I want you to know that I really appreciate your time, the attention, anything that you give to the show and the questions that you ask our guests, either on social media or through my text community, all of that is pure gold. This community, like any community, is a testament to that old phrase, a rising tide floats all boats. And by elevating one another, by sharing and resharing this show, the tidbits that you learn and the experiences you take away, all of that has a collective, massive, positive impact on the world. So just a quick thank you. I appreciate all the effort you put into sharing the show. All right, that's a wrap. Let's put today's episode into practice and get back to growing together. <laughs>